Welcome to Shoot Me Straight. Today we have Zach Woodfin with us. He's a former NFL player and uh, now a coach, and he's from Prattsville, Alabama. I'm super excited to hear your story, man. We've been trying to get him on for a little bit, but we've both been like, hey, you know when it's supposed to happen, it'll happen, and just circumstances lined up, and he was here. We get to hear it now. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm excited to be here, and uh, man, great, awesome studio. Got to train here earlier yeah. this morning, and so, uh, yeah, fired up to be here. Yeah, so you grew up in Prattsville, but then moved to Birmingham later on? Yeah, so I went to college in Birmingham okay. uh, after graduating Prattville High School and uh, went to UAB. I played football in, in college, and uh, after that, kind of went all over the place, all over the world, really, um, playing and coaching, and uh, have since um, found myself back in Birmingham uh. coaching, which is an area uh, our family loves, so it's school did you always know when you were a kid hey I want to be an NFL football player like yes. that's my goal yes. yeah yeah that was it yeah I knew early on my mom actually still has like this little journal um I think it was a you know a project for school but I had to write and um she saved it but it says I want to go to college play football and scholarship and I want to play in the NFL <laughs> and that was at like six seven years old wow so uh that's awesome were your parents pretty like supportive of uh of you playing, I mean, obviously playing football growing up and then sort of getting you to that point as well? No doubt. My yeah. dad coached me all the way probably into like junior high school um, in football. But um, they they were super supportive. You know, so when it came time for me to want to really take the next steps in my athletic career and, um, you know, try to achieve a college scholarship, I can, I can remember and I tell this story um, a lot of times about my parents support, but just how important it is to like believe in your, your children's dreams. So I needed to get faster if I was going to play college football. I was uh, not blessed with like, you know, all this speed. And back in, you know, early 2000s or really probably 1999, 98, there wasn't all these speed coaches, you know, like there are now. Um, and the closest one to where we lived was like an hour away. And I can remember, like, we found him, and I'm, I, I thought, like, I've got to go to this guy if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, you know, run this forty in the time that I need to, and that's just, I got to go to this guy. And told my parents, they're like, all right, if this is really what you think you need to do, so like after school, you know, two or three times a week, they would, they'd get in their car and they'd drive me an hour, train with this guy, they'd drive an hour back. Wow. And you know. Like, I think of myself now as a parent. I'm like, yeah, would I do that? Like, <laughs> if my son came up to me and he's like, Dad, I have to do this. Like, would I really be like, cool, son, I got you. Let's go. Wow. Over and over. And I probably did it for two or three, four months. Wow. And so, yeah, they were yeah, they were they, supportive. And that's a story to, just to show, like, they were, they were no, that's awesome. helping me out. and. I'm really blessed to have. I think them. we we all take it for granted when we're when we're little, like coming up, and all the stuff that our parents actually like went out of their way and did for us until we actually become parents. And now, I'm like, I, I think about it all the time. I'm like, dude, my dad coached me and did all these things like extracurricular activities to, for sports. And you know, I there was no way I wasn't going like into any professional, but he made it. He was adamant. He's like, you will play like sports all growing up, but the time that they took take me to the practices every day, you know, drop-offs, pickups, or just, like, involving themselves in it. And now I'm doing that with my kids, and you're like, dude, I, I give it to, you know, hats off to my parents, and I sound, you right. know, to yours, too. It's like that's a lot of dedication and hard work to, like, put invest in your child. Right, you know? right. They ever tell you, like, well, you know, we shouldn't shoot for the NFL. Few pe people are going to actually make it. Never. Wow. Yeah. Never. They never tried to. With um, doubt in your mind doubt that you know uh i think my my mom and dad they were really good about like reality you know um but they never once put doubt in my mind that i could not do something um they never uh said hey zach maybe you should just settle for division two you know because like my one of my it was like college scholarship d1 and that was it and they never 
Yeah, they never. And I think that's another great lesson, you know, because we can naturally, I think, if we see it in ourselves or our kids, be like, ah, that's too big of a dream. That's too big of a goal. Mm-hmm. Let me just, let me bump it down, and I'll settle for this. And I think that's a mistake. Like, we should never settle. Yeah. We, we should set really, really big goals, mm-hmm. like, that are, that are, like, almost unbelievable to others. And then we should set a plan in place to go get it. Yeah, to achieve it. And it may take five years. For sure. But any big goal worth achieving should take that long. It should be hard. should get knocked down, have to get back up, improve <laughs> to the world, like, I really want to do this. Wait, as a kid, did they see you, like, naturally gifted in football some? Or did they just see uh, such a work ethic? Early on, I think you could definitely say I was naturally gifted. Like, uh, I think I hit – probably like a, not a growth in size uh, earlier than most, but like I was always the fastest kid, you know, like in Little League football, you know, um, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. But then probably in junior high, uh, everybody caught up, and then there was a lot of other people faster than me, and then I got bigger. Yeah. And so I think there was always some natural, you know, ability there, uh, but – the work ethic, the mindset, the belief, um, that was what I, I think my parents and really what I hung my hat on oh. the most. Like, these things that I can control, nobody's going nobody's gonna to beat me in these. Yeah. You know, and that is how hard do I work? How much do I work? Do I believe in myself? Mm-hmm. How do yeah. I face adversity? And I had a good support system to help me with all those things. But those are the things that I could control – I was going to um, undeniably, like, try to be the best in those. And I couldn't completely control my genetics. Uh, I could make those better <coughs> to an extent, yeah. obviously, by training my body and mm-hmm. nutrition and rest. Um, those are things I could control, you know. So I think I, I always was, you know, in the upper echelon, and you know, like my team or my sport. But yeah. I worked for it. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from one of the guys we had on, Ryan, what was his last name? Um, he was a wrestler. He owns a wrestling school in Pensacola now. Oh, yeah, Blackwell. Blackwell. Ryan Blackwell. Okay. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes from him was, the only two things I can control, my attitude and my effort. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah. And that dude, it showed with him. I mean, goodness gracious. Yeah. yeah. I, I use that all the time, you know, coaching. Yeah. Um, because you're, if your attitude is great, you're coachable can always get better. You have what is called a growth mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, if your attitude is poor, you have a fixed mindset. You feel like all I have is what I have, you know. Like yeah. I can't get any better. Like God didn't give me size. God didn't give me strength. God didn't give me. So I'm just going to have to settle. Like, mm. But an attitude of like coachability, you know, like, yeah, if you tell me I can do this by doing it, I'll do it. Yeah, and uh, I like that, that fixed versus growth mindset. Yeah, yeah, so important. So important. It is in all aspects of life, right? That's because uh, I, you know, I've gone through that when I went transition. I had a fixed mindset for like a year. Like, you know, how am I going to do? I'm not going to be able to do this. I've only all I know is this. You know, and that is a fixed mindset to have, which I think it it uh, puts a ceiling. You know, for no most question. people, it's like, well, now you're not going to be able to break that ceiling and grow you know so that's a good that's definitely a good uh good advice no doubt two two things i try to teach all athletes that i coach and um you know anyone who needs help i'm like well do you do you understand growth mindset and do you understand fixed mindset mm-hmm. and that's a start like let's get you on a growth mindset track right away and then let's start to work on everything else but you awesome. have to believe in yourself that whatever I put my mind to do, I can do it. It's going to take work and it's going to take daily action. Mm-hmm. But if I believe that I can actually improve in this area, then then I can. Awesome. Yeah. Dude, so, so did you make it to the NFL? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, I made it to the NFL. I, I, I made it uh, kind of through the back door. I tell people um, I wasn't drafted. I was what's called an undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. So, um, people 
that follow the NFL may know there's seven rounds in the NFL draft, and there's 32 picks per round. So do the math. Those are the only guys drafted out of college. But after that, there's a select amount of players that can go to teams for way less money um, and way less, I guess you could say, security. You know, as When you go as an undrafted free agent, you know, you have one bad practice and like, oh, we don't want this guy. Get him out of here. You know, okay. when you're drafted, you have a little bit more time. <clears throat> They've invested money into you. Yeah. So they're not just going to, like, ax you within the first week, you know. Uh, they're going to give you some time. And so I went in as an undrafted free agent to the Green Bay Packers. That was my first stop. What years? Uh, that was 2005. Okay. And I spent – I ended up getting cut uh, the right before the last preseason game. But they brought me back to their practice squad. So you have 53 active players on the NFL roster. This was at the time. Uh, and then you had eight practice squad guys that practiced with the team, trained with the team, but they didn't play on Sundays. And they were kind of like the reserves. Any Anybody that got hurt or, you know, they would generally pull from that eight to play. Okay. So I ended up making that and spent the first ten – games on the practice squad before I got cut again and oh, I went wow. to uh, another similar teams and I bounced around the NFL. How hard was that? Was that like, I mean, if your dream since you were six years old was to be in the NFL, I mean, did it become like an idol in a sense for you that you're just like, you know? Yes and no, right? So like I, I had a faith background and, and um, I understood that, that Christ mm-hmm. was – you know, the only thing that, that I would, you know, really put at the, the forefront of my life. Mm-hmm. However, we all, you know, we're all imperfect people. Mm-hmm. So as I look back, I'm like, yeah, I, I did. You know, even though I was trying to, to really walk in a way that was re- a reflection of following Christ, <clears throat> still I was imperfect. And I, and I think I did put football as like this, like, idol because – Sure. The way that I acted and felt when it was taken from me. So, quick story: when I got cut that first time in Green Bay, uh, I was actually I was in Nashville. I was um, I was with the team. I flew in private plane with the team. We were playing the Titans the next day, and I got a call uh, from management. They're like, "Hey, come up to the tenth floor. Got to talk to you." And I'm like, "This is weird." And so I go up, and they cut me in the hotel in Nashville the night before the game. They said, hey, we got a, there's going to be a Southwest flight for you in about an hour. Pack your bags. There's a car taking you to the airport. So I flew in. He flew in private. private with flew the out team. Southwest. <laughs> flew out Southwest alone. And I got back to Green Bay late that night. I packed everything I had up in my little forerunner, and I hit the road coming back south to Alabama family was where I was living at the time and I can remember crying I can remember like thinking like all this and it's gone yep you know all like I could just I was just replaying all the training all the sacrifice all the games all the practices everything everybody had helped me and like man it was it was all for nothing and uh, I didn't make it I didn't achieve actually playing in the NFL that was that's what it was all about for I was 21, and I started when I was six, so a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and I remember several, you know, people calling me on the drive, parents, but it was one call that, that really made all the difference in the world for me, and it was a call from one of my mentors. His name's Gary Kramer. He now serves as, a, like, the team chaplain or character coach for the University of Alabama, and he said, Zach, football does not define you. He said, I want you to know what defines you is your character, your relationship with Christ, and all the, all the intangibles that, that you do every day, your work ethic, you know, your integrity, your honesty. Those things define you. Yep. And nobody can ever take those things away from you. And that is where your identity lies, you know, your relationship with Christ, your character. He said, you, you knew that. But you, you slipped and, and you let football define you. And that's why you're so broken right now. 
because you feel like everything's been taken from you because football is taken from you. And I'm like, you're right, you're right. You know, that's that's what I did. And uh, never again. You know, from this point forward, I'm going to know my identity is not in this game. I love it, and, and I still I still want to pursue it, but I'm not going to let football define me. And so from that point forward, um, my identity shifted to the right place. <coughs> my identity is in Christ. My identity is in my character. No man can take that from me. It's all my decision. And, you know, I end up, like I said, a few days later, going back to Green Bay on the practice squad, Got cut again a second time, but it wasn't as painful. Still stung, you know. Sure. Being told yeah. you're not good enough is never good, but it it didn't it didn't make me feel broken and like I was a zero. I knew I still had value. Um, and then a few days later, the New Orleans Saints signed me. Was on their practice squad for a few weeks. Got cut. Uh, a week later, the Baltimore Ravens signed me. Uh, I was on their practice squad for a week. And then they actually, they like I was saying earlier, they brought me up. Somebody got hurt or something. They brought me up. And they said, hey, uh, you're, you're now on the active roster, which was life-changing, right, in a lot of ways. Number one, it meant I was about to achieve the dream. Yep. I was actually not on practice squad. I was on the active roster, and I was going to step foot on the field in uniform and play. So I was going to achieve the dream. Uh, it was going to be a lot different money-wise. You know, Mm -hmm. so uh, that was going to change. And then the coolest part, I think, about it is I was with the Ravens, but remember, I started with the Packers. The game they were going to pull me up for was a Monday night game in Baltimore. Uh, I think it was right near Christmas time, so probably right around now. We were playing the Green Bay Packers, Mm. a team that I had just been with for 10 weeks, all my buddies, but now I'm on the other side. And um, the opening kickoff, I was on the kickoff team. I ran down, I made the opening tackle of the game. <laughs> nice. And so if you go to, you know, like NFL stats or the record books or whatever, and you look up me, Zach Woodfin, you're going to see one tackle credited to my career. And that was a tackle. And I truly look back now and believe God is such an amazing, powerful God who cares about our dreams, cares about, you know, like what we work for so much that even if, you know, he doesn't have a long 10-year NFL career planned for me, which he didn't, he still is like, you know what? You work so hard for this. I'm going to I'm gonna allow this dream of yours to happen. And you're going to play. I ended up playing in uh, – I was active for four games that year. Made one tackle. But – I achieved the dream. Mm. I achieved the dream. Yeah. I, I played in the NFL. I got a tackle in the NFL, and that's going to be in the record books forever. You know? So now anybody's like, yeah, there it is. There's that one. But that to me is him saying, that's how much I love you. That's how much I care about you. I'm going to let you do it. The one I got something else for you, mm-hmm. and it ended up being coaching. But you're going to get the one, and you're going to achieve this dream. Do you think he allowed you to go through that, like where you were on the practice squad, got cut, on the like wiggling out that? Yeah, for sure. An idol? No question. Yeah, I mean, no he probably. I mean that because as you were telling that story about um, when you first got cut and you were broken or whatever, I think that's all in his plan too to be like, okay, dude, like I can see you're putting football above me, or like it's on the same level, and he's like, I'm about to teach you a little lesson in uh, humility and also what's important in life. And he does does that to all of us at some point. And it's whether or not we want to listen and sit there and be like, okay, I can sort of, I understand now. And then you also had that, uh, your friend who who gave you that great advice, which is, you know, the truth. But yeah, I think he does that to all of us in some form or fashion, because I think is, I mean, especially young men, like if we're aspiring to be something greater than ourselves. And we, I think it's a natural thing for young men to want to do a lot of us like, Hey, I want to go pursue this and this is what I want to become. And it is very easy, especially if you're a a man of faith to, while you're achieving those goals and you're working your butt off and you're like, 
you know, slaving day in, day out to just achieve that goal that you want, it's very easy to put that above God at times. And I've, I've done it in my life, you know, and I think God, he's a loving God and he's like, okay, I'm going to teach you a little, little lesson real quick. Um, and you know, and then at the end, because you did obey it and you're like, you understood it. I think he's like, okay, I'm going to let you have Mm -hmm. your, you know, you're going to accomplish your dream. But like you said, he's got bigger plans for you. No question. Which is wild because his plans are always better. Right. Right. And I couldn't see it. I thought, I thought my plan was play the NFL long time, make a lot of money, uh, stop and, and just enjoy life, you know? But he's like, no, Zach, I got something way better for you. Yeah. You can't see it. But uh, I'm going to show you, you know, just just stay with me. Yeah. You know, and the best lessons are learned through adversity. Yep. Uh, and oh, yeah. I think the way that you actually learn the lesson is through humility. You know, when when you face adversity, you have a choice. Humble yourself, learn the lesson, get better. Or have pride, get angry, stay the same, get or pouty. Yeah, excuses. blame, complain, defend yourself, and you end up getting no better and most of the time getting worse, you know. And so um, I'm thankful that during all that adversity, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to uh, humble myself and figure out how to grow. Yeah. And part of that growth was – the identity shift, you know, and not allowing this game to uh, define me and be just everything yeah. for me. I think so. that's – how old were you at this time? 21. Dude, that is like – I mean, you're still a young man at that point. Like, to learn that lesson at such a young age is probably one of the biggest blessings. I mean, because I don't think I, – I don't think men in general, a lot of us learn that ever right and you see it you know and uh people like they're miserable and they're they're still they're fighting against and i'm sure god has put things in front of them multiple times like hey man like this is not the route i have planned out for you but you know they're whatever you want to call it mortal instincts is to be like no this is what i want and i think you you see like a lot of middle-aged men right now that are sort of miserable because they did not listen to God and they're fighting against it. But for you to learn that at a young age and just sort of like, okay, this is what it is. And then be able to flourish, you know, to where you're at now is, yeah, yeah, it's remarkable. Right. I, um, I'm thankful for that because, you know, I truly believe that you go through experiences and adversities so that you can then help lead others through them later in life. Yes. So me end up, you know, becoming a coach I had been through a lot as an athlete and a lot as a person. And so now I've got the real-life testimony when other people are going through that to say, hey, man, this is how I dealt with it, and this is how I got through it. And, you know, maybe these are some of the mistakes I made. Don't make these. These are some of the things I, I did well. Try to do this. But now, you know, later in my life as a coach and, and trying to help as many people as I can, you know, to your point, you know, uh, everything that I've gone through and still go through, it's like, how can I take all that and help others? You know, uh, that's where my life is at now. It's like, how many other people can I help with my story, with my career as an athlete, my career as a coach? Um, and that's kind of what, uh, you know, drives me. 100%. Now. Yeah, and you're, you're probably having, I mean, way more of an effect on people now that you've went through all those trials and tribulations of like getting cut, not, you know, not quitting, but like going through, I mean, that's, that's turmoil and that's frustration. And yeah, like you said, you were in your car crying about it and like, and that's, I've been through similar situations, but to be able to go through all of that and then turn it around and start imparting that wisdom that you gained at an early age to young individuals that you're coaching now is much more of a gift than let's just say you did make it into the NFL and you're like, and you're, you're, you did had an awesome career in the NFL or whatever. You wouldn't have that wisdom. I, I don't think to be able to impart on to these young people. Cause you're like, yeah, I, I just made it, you know, like I, you know, where now you're like, no, I, 
I worked my butt off. I got knocked down. I got back up. I got knocked down. I got back up. And these are the, these is how I did it each and every time. Cause that's what young kids need to, to learn. Right. Not just, yeah, man, just play hard and it'll work out. <laughs> right. You know, it's right. like now, and that's, I mean, some for a professional athlete, sometimes that's the only advice that they have because they are gifted and they have had a gifted career, but they don't have that adversity, like facing adversity to offer um, right. to others, you know, right. Yeah, you yeah. can you can talk to an athlete like me and Eddie couldn't. Eddie can talk to someone in, in military service like I can't that you probably can't, you know? Right. It's like I can talk to a drug addict. Right. Right? Like you all probably can't in a right. sense, you know? So our background and our troubles a lot of times end up being like our biggest gift. Exactly. Yeah. There's a word in the 12-step program that says uh, the past is, is the key, not the lock. Yeah, that's um, awesome. This pain will serve you well someday. That's my favorite quote. It's right. like anything you're going through, it's like this will serve you well. You just have to get through it, and then you can impart that on other people. No doubt. Yeah. The best place to be is in a place where you're of, of service of others, right? And it's not about you. And that sounds what, like your life today, right? No doubt, you know. Uh, so speaking, you know, I've tried to really think about, like, how can I – how can I – uh, use all this, you know, adversity and, and ups and downs to help as many people as I can, you know, and, and I have, you know, when I was coaching in college, you know, 120 guys and staff around me now, you know, being with the USFL for the past couple of years, you know, 400 athletes, you know, uh, in the league of entirety and maybe me working with a hundred of them. And it's like, how can I, how can I do more? And so I think we talked about this, um, probably a year ago and it was it was a thought but now it's it's fruition is I've developed a, a course a digital course uh, it's called mental performance for youth athletes cool. and so everything that we've talked about uh, here this morning I've put into a format uh, for youth to be able to like get the information of how to deal with adversity mm-hmm. and get through it how to take ownership for your mistakes not blame others, how to believe in yourself and have growth mindset and set goals and then have a plan to reach those goals. So, yeah, my life is completely about other people now, and I've just been trying to find ways to uh, to help as many people as I can, and that's yeah. going to be one way I'm excited. It launch, should launch in about a week. Oh, nice. I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to look into that. I want my awesome. son to look at it for sure. Awesome. Yeah, because – that's huge, I think, especially if you made it digestible for kids right, to right. read it's it. Short, and, yeah, it's it's you know each there's six lessons. Each lesson is ten or eleven minutes long, you know, because I know the attention span <laughs> is not yeah. going to be much for them. So it's it's condensed. Um, there's there's some personal work you know to do with it, but it's short personal work. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. It's it's going to be easily accessible on my website, which is zachwoodfin.com. And boom, get the course and uh, six courses. You know, I, ideally, I'd love for people to kind of go through it like one week at a time. And hey, this is a six-week course, and each lesson marinate on it for a week. And um, but you know, however people want to go through, if they want to go straight through, it's it's going to be really valuable. And this is something like any kid can any kid, pick. It doesn't yes. matter what sport they're doesn't in, matter. what yeah, they're we, doing in life. We tried to make it. Um, you know, uh, reach any, any, any kid, any sport. And, and really we, we developed it for athletes, but I really believe that it could be for any, any kid, any youth yeah. you know, struggling with, um, any type of mental health, uh, struggling with belief in themselves, struggling with, um, a- anything that can be conquered through the mind, yep. you know, that you don't have to be an athlete to benefit from learning how to, have a growth mindset, how to set goals, how to overcome adversity, how to focus. Mm-hmm. And so the title is athletes, but really it's any any youth. Yeah. You know? No, that's awesome. I mean, I'm definitely going to get it because, yeah, it's like I can – and especially I'm sure – do you have kids? I do. I have an 11- and an 8-year-old. Okay. So, you like, there's – I mean, I can sit there and tell my kids that I'm blue in the face. Sort of the same lessons, but, you know, coming from their dad, they're right. like – 
yeah, whatever, you know. But then if they hear it from somebody else or, like, have a format like that, it's like, here you go, man. Right. Read this. Right. And it's then, so true. Yeah. My son, I tell people all the time, my son's 11, um, you know, loves athletics. But, you know, <laughs> when dad's, like, trying to help him in athletics, a lot of times, they're like, dad. Yeah. I'm like, all right, son, I don't know what I'm talking about, man. Like, yeah. you know. <laughs> but Joey goes and tells him the same thing. Okay, yep. I got it. Oh, yeah. Something about dad. It is. It's know? like, dad, get off. Like, leave. And you're like, okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it's because there's that pressure. You know, they, they're also trying to live up to your expectations, you know, naturally. Right. So. I think they don't want when you're around and I, I find that you know with my son and both all my kids like if you're around trying to like and you're trying to coach them whatever but they're feeling that like natural pressure of like oh I my dad's here mm-hmm. and now I have to like perform at this level and it's all in their own head they're right. like I have to perform because he's here and if I don't perform to that then I'm a fail you know right. and in their own head they're a failure so you right. it is good to get another man in there to be like hey dude yeah. You go ahead. It's the same thing with, you know, if you're trying to coach your wife too, right? right. It's, <laughs> you know, I, I think you make a great point there. I think it's natural for our kids to do that. And uh, I think it's something that I've tried and, and we all, you know, as, as fathers should understand, like, if we've achieved a level of success in anything, which all three of us have different areas, mm-hmm. that naturally our kids are going to think they must need to do that. Yep. And, of course, we want them to, but I think we can actively and intentionally tell them, like what I've told my son, like, hey, just because I played in the NFL and I played in college, like if that's not what you want in your life and that's not something that burns in your heart, that's totally cool. Like yeah. I'm not going to love you any less. And you don't need to think you need to do that. You know, So almost pulling that pressure off of them just so they know, like, all right, Dad did it. But he doesn't expect me to do it. You know? Yeah. Like, I, I'd love for you to, if that's your... That's your decision. Your goal. Yes. Not my goal for you. And so many of us fathers, we want our kids to do what we want. Or maybe what we never got to do. Yeah, you're trying You're trying to live vicariously through yes. your kids' accomplishments. Yes. Like, yes. oh, I didn't accomplish this. And you see it all the time when oh, crazy you go to these sports stats. games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, you yeah. know, the parents are on the sidelines, like, are red in the face, screaming, and, like, you know, like, dude, chill out. Like, I get it. Yeah, you want your kid to win or do good, but at the same time, like, you're not your child. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he's living his own – his own or having his own journey right now. And stop putting yourself in that journey. Like, step back and just enjoy it right. and let him, you know – guide him and help him but don't don't insert your your own personal stuff into his journey exactly yeah. it's, it's got to be his or hers important journey. to the child yeah they have to be intrinsically motivated and inspired to be like that's actually what i want to do yeah and then you can support them you know like any great oh for sure i'll do. support them no matter what but, but we can't want it more than they want it nope and it will drive them away from doing yeah, Ultimately. I'm having that the, with, uh, well, my, my oldest son, Trevin, we had him on the podcast uh, last week. He had just got on Marine Boot Camp, so he's going to uh, recon selection here soon, which is, you know, the Marines, uh, one, it's like the Special Forces branch for the Marines are part of what they do, and it's it's no joke. It's, it's, it's hard, and uh, he, you know, he picked it. And half me was worrying. I'm like, dude, you and I, I had on the same talks. Like, you don't have to do this. Like, I'm going to be proud of you no matter what you do, you know. But he went with it, yeah. and it's I tell him, I'm like, this is your choice. Is this on you? Like, right. you have to have the drive. You have to have the fire to want to be better. I'm, I, you know, I cannot be the one guiding you along the whole time because I'm doing you a disservice, right? right? So, yeah, it's awesome. and there's always going to be. I think no matter how many times you say that to your child too, and like, hey, I'm not putting any pressure. There's gonna be that unnatural pressure right. that just comes between a father son, regardless. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you got other men, right? Like around and that's you. That's what's and, important. Yeah. And I, I mean, I even took Trevin to the side before he joined the Marines and was like, "Hey, man, are you doing this for your dad for real? Like, is this pressure that you're putting on yourself? Because Eddie's not putting pressure on him." 
but like he could he could have thought it was or something. I didn't know, but he literally wanted to do it for himself. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, that's awesome, and that's a great you know uh, thing for us to to realize is like, hey, let's we have other men in our life that could mentor talk yeah. to our kid. It's gonna kind of hit a little different. Yep, yeah. and so. We can work through our friends yes. to say, "Hey, look, he's not gonna. He's probably not gonna shoot." <laughs> yeah. yeah, have a talk with him. Yeah, and that's that's my whole goal is building yeah. up such great friends around me, so that when my kids are getting older, they can be like, "Go talk to Uncle Eddie." Yeah, yes. <laughs> you yes. know, go like having other guys around them that I trust. That the guidance will be the same. Yeah, mm-hmm. coming from you, I yeah. trust Eddie's gonna say exactly what I would say, but it's <laughs> going to be received a lot differently. From him, yeah, yep. and so therefore, please talk to my son. Yeah, you know, yeah. make yeah, the I feel like sometimes we need that for our wives too. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, no doubt. Yeah, Dude, so after the NFL, uh, did you go straight into coaching? I did. Okay. So the transition was my last stop in the NFL was the Houston Texans. Um, I ended up going to NFL Europe for a season. Um, after I got, so I mentioned the path was Saints, I'm sorry, Packers, Saints, Ravens, got active with the Ravens, stayed there for a while, got cut the next year, which was 2006, um, and then was out of football for a few months. 2007, went over to NFL Europe, played a season in Europe, got signed by the Houston Texans in the summer of 07, got cut. And then had a couple of tryouts, but that was that was pretty much the last stop. And at that point, I knew I wanted to get into coaching. And so uh, I really wasted a little time um, getting back. I still hadn't finished my college degree because I left school a little early mm-hmm. to pursue the NFL. So I went back to school, UAB, finished that degree, uh, started volunteering, coaching at, at UAB and at the University of Alabama. So just – an experience, and um, that started the coaching career. But yeah, you know, I knew um, pretty pretty soon after. You know, like I, I tried to to wait two or three months, and after the phone went silent for <laughs> three months, I had enough, um, you know, just real life knowledge to know like it's probably not gonna happen. And the NFL Europe ended up shutting down. So I did, it wasn't like I could go back there. I was going to ask, though, I, we sort of skipped, like, how was it playing over there in Europe? I mean, you it don't was, hear much about it. Right. So. Yeah, it was really cool. So NFL owned that league for a long time. And, and you know, 2007 was the last year. And um, it was awesome to be able to experience Europe. I'd never, you know, been really out of the States. But um, experience Europe on somebody else's dime. You know, <laughs> play the game that you love. Um, kind of, we all lived in a hotel, so you make really tight bonds with uh, your teammates. And, you know, so we, we, we lived in Germany and um, went all, all over Germany playing, played in Amsterdam, um, took trips to Italy, to Belgium. And so I was newly married at the time, so this was a funny story as well. Uh, so Fawn came with me. However, the way that... Um, if you've been to Europe, most countries in Europe are like this, it's, which is different from the States. When you when you buy a hotel room, in the States you buy a room, right? It's it's like $100 a night, right? You could have yourself or you could have you and your wife. It doesn't matter. Over there, it was by person. Like, ha, how many people are staying here? If it's one, it's 100. If it's two, it's 200. And so I'm like, what? So, like, like one. Uh, <laughs> just yeah, yeah. So like, I'm like, well, I don't have any money. It's just me. Uh, I don't. I don't get this. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm like, babe, <laughs> uh, you're gonna have to hide from like the housekeepers and like all these hotel like people, like because if they know you're my wife and you're in my room, they're gonna charge me like hundred dollars extra a night. And I don't have that money. Like NFL Europe wasn't the pay scale of NFL, and. Um, so she would hide like um, like no trace of a female in this room. So like every day, oh dang, she would like have to put her clothes in the suitcase, put her makeup away, and uh, we we got a like a well, it felt like we were like, like 
spy ops. We would get the schedule of like the house cleaners. And I'm like, they're coming in between 10 and 11 a.m. You got to go to the gym from 10 to 1. So you're not in here. And so we, uh, we end up like pulling it off for like three months. But like they got on to her. They, 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 they saw who she was. And they're like, who is this woman that we can't figure out? Where is she at? We always see her. But we yeah. can't figure out. And so, like, they would try to, like, follow her around to see what room. I'm like, if you ever get followed, don't go to the room. Just go to, like, <laughs> a pool. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, the other thing, my wife is um, um, bilingual. She speaks Spanish and English. And I said, if they start to try to talk to you and ask you, go to your Spanish, no habla uh, inglés. Like, Just act like you can't speak English. Just start speaking Spanish because I bet you these people – they don't speak Spanish. They're going to speak German and English. Yeah. And so, like, anytime they, like, cornered her and they'd start to try to, like, uh, say, who are you with? Where She would just start speaking in Spanish and be like, I don't know. And just, like, that's hilarious. so frustrated. <laughs> but uh, I tell that story just to say Europe was awesome. That was one of the fun stories, uh, you know, outside of football. But yeah. the team was, was awesome. We ended up going to the what they called the World Bowl. Uh, I played for Frankfurt Galaxy. And uh, we lost the World Bowl, unfortunately, but uh, it was awesome. I got to play a lot, you know, um, play a lot, start a lot of games, and uh, end up getting signed to the Texans after that. But uh, it, was, it was pretty short. It was a good experience, though. Great experience. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, was there a lot of people, like, in Europe show up to the games? At our stadium, yes. I yeah. would say Frankfurt was the definitely the most popular team. Um, over there, they had won a lot of championships in NFL Europe, um, but it was uh, it was I would say twenty five, thirty thousand folks. Okay, at the Frankfurt games, you, know, you go we'd go play some, you know, teams that wasn't like that. But you know, the game American football is growing so much in Europe. I mean, now they're playing NFL games in Frankfurt. Uh, they're playing NFL games. I think they played a game in in Berlin, maybe, and. You know, people say as soon as they announce a game and tickets go on sale, gone. They're gone. Really? Within hours. I always wondered that. Yeah. yeah, just because, you know, obviously American football, then you have European football, and like European football is like the premier over there, right? right. That's right. that is the sport. And I'm, I was always wondering, yeah, how American football would contend with that when they're playing over and just the well. Now you've answered it. Like, yeah, obviously they're crazy about it. Yeah, so they, they love it. That's cool. They love it, and. uh game is growing internationally you know they've played games in london they played games in germany they played games in mexico uh, i think they have plans to uh to play in other countries you know as well so american football is growing tremendously internationally they That's don't good. do they call it football since they football is soccer they do uh, probably probably a caveat of american american mm-hmm. yeah uh but uh yeah it's growing and then so yeah you went obviously houston um, how was that there? Houston uh, was very short-lived, like I said. Yeah. So I got um, – NFL Europe was a spring league, and so we got done playing probably in, like, May. So I went right to Houston, and I was working out with the team all summer. Uh, and then I took a break um, from just working out with the team. Uh, everybody took a break in July, and then you generally report to training camp August 1st. So I trained with Houston uh, most of the summer, you know, just, you know, lifting and you know running and meetings and a little bit of light practice but the main stuff was coming later and I can remember I was about to get on a flight uh from Birmingham to go to Houston for training camp and I got cut Mm -hmm. you know like the day before I was about to fly out for training camp so it was a short um short-lived uh time with the Texans yeah and and that's kind of when I'm like okay I'm gonna stay like in really good shape for the next couple of months in case I get a tryout or anything. But if if I don't get something during training camp time, like I'm transitioning. Like I, f- I felt it was right. Like yeah. I just like – because, see, at that time, I didn't play the uh, season prior. So I got cut in Baltimore in 06 training camp. So I was out that season. I went to Europe in January of 07 – Played in Europe in the spring, got cut again in the Texans. So this would have been two NFL seasons, at least 
Yeah. The better part of two seasons that I didn't play. Well, the NFL is is so, uh, you know, in terms of just like the top talent in the world coming in and they're just re- recycling players like crazy. Like I, I had enough, um, I guess, foresight to know like it's not impossible, but it's very unlikely that uh, after not playing it for two seasons that I'm going to get an, another opportunity. And I didn't really want to do Canada. and There was nothing else. Like, there was no more NFL Europe. There's no spring leagues. And so I'm like, let's let's transition. And yeah. Felt great about it and was thankful for the time that I had. And, and at that point in time, I had, you know, like we talked about earlier, I had understood, like, my original goal and vision and plan for my whole life, God wants it to look different. He gave, he gave me the dreams, but – it's not going to be NFL tenure. It's going to be, it's going to be something else. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I can accept that, I can step into this new, you know, phase of my life and close this chapter of playing football and open this chapter of coaching. Yeah. Do you feel so, like marriage helped transition that some too? Being married then, definitely. Going, you hey. know, ha- having a great partner. You know, and and so Fawn, my wife, um, we've been together since high school. You know, so all of this that, that I've talked about, she's been she's been through all she's of it. She's been through all of it, and she's been um, extremely supportive. And and you know, to have somebody who you know says, "Hey, look," you know, just just like my mentor, um, she's she's been there through the whole and just support and love. And you know, we talk about like our kids, like you don't have to do no pressure, like not, that's fun for me. Yeah, you know, I was like, I don't care if you play in the NFL. I don't care if you. <laughs> Make millions or make <laughs> ten. Like I love you for you, um, and we can live in a studio apartment, and it's all good. Mm-hmm. So having that was super, super um, helpful for me. I never felt like, God, like I gotta, yeah, like I gotta make a certain for this to, woman to like love me and want to stay with me. If if I don't have this and if she doesn't have all this stuff, she's she's gonna divorce me. Like it was never. That's awesome. Yeah, so she's like the ro- a rock. Yes. Pretty much. That's good. Yes. And so yeah. thankful for her. 17 years. Wow. 17 nice. Years yeah, I think and, uh, y'all are we're, com- we're coming up on 17. We're Yeah, we were high school. Nice. Yeah, as well. Best friends in high school. So. That's awesome. Yeah, very sim- sounds very similar uh, relationship. That's how Andrew is, was with me the whole time. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's not common. Nope, it's, it's not. not common. And um, we need to be really thankful to have wives like that and to understand that it's not common and to uh, any chance that we can get, show them, you know, love, however they receive it, you know, whether it's, you know, different love languages, uh, gifts or quality yeah. time or uh, physical touch, you know, or, you know, acts of service, you know, find out what those are and just, you know, uh, my wife's is actually like how I speak to her, you know, um, which, words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. And being a coach, <laughs> uh, <laughs> sometimes that's hard, yeah. you know, because I, I'm definitely not a coach that, like, demeans, but, like, I'm very direct and, like, I'm very disciplined and, like, I – Yeah, intense. You know, I'm intense, yeah. you know. And I and, and so, like, there's times that I, that bleeds over into how I speak to her, and she's like, I'm not one of your players, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so I've just got to, I got to continue to work on that. We all have areas that we got Oh, we all do. I, I continue to work on how it's The one thing I, one of the many things I ask God every morning when I, I have my morning conversation with them is like, dude, just show me how I can best love my wife, like, and the, the most, you know, the best way possible. Like, right. whatever she needs, help me give it, like, give her what she needs, you know. That's awesome. Um, so, I mean, because... That's one of those things, too, like, you can't take that on your own either, like, oh, I'm going to be the best husband, and I'm going to figure it. It's like, no, dude, you're you're not going to be able to figure that out on your own. Right. You need God's help with that as well. No question. Yeah. No question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that from you. I've got to start asking. It works. It that. works. Like, cause, yeah. Because all of a sudden, I'll find, you know, my wife's like, oh, my gosh, you know, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now, but I'm doing something right, so. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> dude, a lot of times for me, it's just, like, communicating, you yeah. know, like, a lot of times after, like, a long day of just, like, coaching and I, I just go into, like, just 
I don't want to talk mode. Well, it's because your bandwidth is completely you know, drained. Yeah. It's like she's asking questions. I'm giving short answers. Yeah. Yeah. Good day. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Uh, and she's like, I want you to talk to me. Like, the details. You know? And I think a lot of it's, too, just men and women. It's like, I'm just to the point. To, like, I don't have to get into all these details. It, it, yeah. You know? But that's what she but wants. That's how they communicate. That's how they, that's how they perceive love. So, I need to do that. Yep. About how I, it's about her. Yeah. And so if so, I got to get better at that as well. Like, they was good because this and this and this and this and this. And so, work. I'm a work in progress. Oh, we all are. Believe me. Right. Yeah. I think uh, was my one of my. I watch stand up comedy all the time. I'm okay. like, so Bill Burr is one of my favorite and. He does that whole bit where he's like, uh, apparently my wife is this like masterpiece that's kept in the glass and everyone adores and stares at like, oh, that is just perfect. And he's like, I'm like one of those uh, buildings in like New York that's scaffolding, scaffolding around it that's constantly being like, is that thing ever going to get done? Right. That's a good image. Yeah. That's a good image. That's awesome. Yeah. So what was your first coaching when you first started coaching? What was that like? Uh, so my first coaching was volunteer work at the University of Alabama and at UAB. And it was, uh, I think, just like a learning experience. I just kind of opened myself up to something new, you know, like, all right, I've got I've to grow in something new. I need to apply all of the things that I did to be successful playing. I need to now apply those in coaching. And so it was almost like kind of starting back over and, and uh, humility. Like, I don't have all the answers. I, I played this, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be a great coach. You know, a lot of good players are good coaches, but there's a lot of good players that are not good coaches. Yep. And, and so I'm like, that, this doesn't qualify me <clears throat> to be great here, and I don't need to act as if it does. I need to take a posture of I'm at the bottom. I know nothing. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to grow. And so I try to take that posture and just ask questions to, um, you know, not uh, not talk too much, yeah. be silent and work. You know, that's always worked good for me. I tell people, you know, uh, I think there's a term called the gray man, military term. It's like, like just come in. Don't you don't you don't need to be like try to be seen with your voice or just just do your job. Yeah, you know, just and eventually you'll earn respect. Um, and so I try to take that posture and, and just grow and, and, and ask questions and serve and do as I'm told. There's no job too small. You know, hey, go clean up that bathroom. Do it with a good attitude mm-hmm. and, you know, do it with effort. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like we talked about earlier. Yeah. You got it. I'm going to clean it the best it's ever been clean, you know, uh, and just try to take that approach to as many things as I could and, yeah. and helped me to – to kind of grow fast as a coach. I left there. I went to Los Angeles. I worked for a company called Athletes Performance um, for uh, four years, more of a private training facility that worked with a lot of, like, elite athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and y'all lived in L.A. during that time? lived in L.A., yeah. Um, but what that allowed me to do – A little do, different than Alabama. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Congratulations uh, for surviving that for four right, years. Right, we, you know, we lived <laughs> in, like, a, a studio apartment and paid out the – you know, wazoo for it, but a great, great experience professionally, but also with Fawn, like to see a different part of the country, yeah, close to the ocean and, and the mountains and culture, you know, got to just meet so many diverse people and understand like um, their life, where they came from, how they grew up, which helped me, you know, be a better coach. So there's very few people now that I come across that I cannot relate to and talk to, like, if you're Asian, if you're from Africa, if you're from Europe, uh, you know, white, black, red, yellow, like, yeah, we, we can we can find common ground, mm-hmm. you know, because I've I've lived in a melting pot um, for uh, you know for four years, and I've I've opened myself up to all of these different types of people, and I, I try not to be narrow minded. I listen to you know why they think the way they do, and didn't mind telling them why I thought the way I thought, and. Can agree sure. on that and still be friends, you know, even if we're different. Yeah. So that was that was awesome time in in LA, and uh, from there I got my first probably uh, what 
most people would consider like big break. Uh, I got a job with the Green Bay Packers um, as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. Wow. And um, something I always try to relay to coaches, to athletes, any, anybody that have opportunity to help in terms of like their job, their career, that job came about seven years after I played there because of the way I carried myself and worked when I was there. Mm. So when I was playing there in 2005, there was an assistant strength and conditioning coach who, his name is Mark Lavat, who, you know, I uh, became, you know, I guess you would call it coach friend, coach player relationship. At that level, it's a little, it's, it's you know, it's not as same um, as like college, you know, a lot of these guys are similar age. They're we're all men, so yeah. I, would, I would call Mark. He was my friend, and I still respected him as a coach. Um, but I would always learn from him, ask you know questions, and you know, and so he became the director of all strength and conditioning for Green Bay a few years after I got cut. Well, we remained in contact just as friends, and I got into coaching, so we had that. And so seven years later, he had a job opportunity come up, and he called me about it, and I said, this is unbelievable offer. I would love to, to be considered for it. I was like, but I've got no experience. Like, in the NFL, uh, I've never coached in college. Like, almost like, why me? Yeah. And he's like, Zach, he said, you were here for 10 months, and I saw you every single day, the way you showed up, the way you worked saw your character. He's like, I've followed you for these seven years through these stops, and, and I've, I've, we've talked about how you've grown. And he said, all that seven years, that was your interview. He's like, that's awesome. I know what I'm getting out of you. I can teach you anything else I need to teach you, like in terms of the – but I know what I'm getting. I'm getting somebody with character, with work ethic, with passion. And he's like, you're, you're qualified. You know, he reaffirmed me. He's like, you are, you are good enough for this. You know, I've seen it for seven years. And so it was really awesome. That um, is awesome. You know, grow, growing point in my life, you know, to know, like, um, how you how you act and how you carry yourself um, in front of you. You never know, like, what could, could come from that in the future. Or who's watching. Who's watching, mm-hmm. you know. And so seven years later, I go back to Green Bay as a coach this time, not a player. But uh, that was an unbelievable you know, three years. So we spent three years in Green Bay, and then um, I got my first opportunity to be like a, a director of strength and conditioning, of the leader of the whole department. Wow! I did that back at my alma mater, UAB. Oh wow! And so you just your your life this circle back around, full circle twice. Yeah, I'm back in Birmingham again. <laughs> you know, so I took the UAB job in 2014. Uh, as a director, and that was short-lived because they end up – we had the best year we had in 10 years at UAB that year, but they end up shutting down football because they said they, there wasn't there wasn't enough money financially to make it work. And so I left on to, you know, another job at University of Southern Miss, but uh, that was 14. And then 2022, we come back to Birmingham. Yeah. So uh, full circle twice. Now we're we're you know we're back in Birmingham working with the USFL and wow uh, it's awesome. You feel like you're in the place now that it's like the sweet spot where everything you've done has built up to this place where now you're exactly where you needed to be and I definitely uh, I definitely feel like we're in a really good groove in our family and, and you know my career in Birmingham just because the kids are thriving in school and sports. We're close to my parents. We're close to my wife's parents. My wife loves it. Um, do I think, like, we're settled? Uh, I don't know that to be the case. You know, um, I've always tried, and my wife, we've always tried to live our lives um, with a posture of, like, God, put us where you need to, to put us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be open to yeah. wherever that is. And it may not match what we want. You know, because yeah, like I can sit here today and say, if I had it my way, I'd be I'd be completely great with staying in Birmingham until both kids graduated high school, and you know whatever after that. 
to give them stability. You know, I want my kids to have stability, and I want them to have their best friends and, and have, you know, that. But I've lived enough life now <coughs> to know, and so has my wife, to know that it's not about us. It's about what, what God wants to do through us. And if he wants to do something through us elsewhere, we need to be open to that. Yep. Got to remain flexible. So we we have to hold on to things loosely. And and so as much as I love Birmingham, I'm trying to hold on to it loosely just in the case that God's like, I need you to go over here. Um, You know, so – that's a tough question, and that's that's probably the best way I know to answer it. Is I feel like we're in a great groove. I'd love to stay in the groove, but I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and say, "Yeah, yeah. we're locked in." Yeah, because I don't know that. To Open-handed. Be yes, I think that's yeah. That's a good attitude to have. Right. I mean, that's it's a growth mindset. It is. Yes. Well, it is. Yes. And it's like I'm right. We like yeah. We love it here, but if we need to pick up and move somewhere else. We're, we have there's a saying in the Marine Corps Semper Semper Five, but we say Semper Gumby, mm. like always flexible because there's one thing you can count on they're going to like make you do something else when you think you're doing you know the right. plan. They're like, nope, now it's changed, so you always got to remain flexible. And I think that that mindset's awesome to have because you're never just like, okay, this is it, and listen, like having a fixed mindset, like right. this is what I'm all I'm doing. It's like right. no, like now. Plans have changed, and you need to have the mindset to change with it right. and go attack it, whatever is put in front of you. Right. Yeah. Right. And understand, like, this is a part of the master plan Yeah. for your life. Exactly. You don't you don't write the story. God writes the story, you know. And you want him to. You want him to, because that's where you're going to thrive. He writes better, st- better stories yeah. than we do. And if we, if we resist that, we say, no, 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 I'm going to write it. We're gonna live a life. <laughs> You're gonna get to learn a lot, hard lesson. We're gonna live a life below the line of, of reaching our full purpose, yeah. and, and and to to live a life of adventure and of, of excitement and of happiness and of yeah. you know all the things that that really God wants for us. If we stay in our story, we're gonna miss out. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to be flexible and open to say, Hey, look, I'm just I'm just trying to follow your plan. And the best way that I know to do that is just to, to be in constant uh, communication with him via prayer, via reading the scriptures, mm-hmm. via, you know, great friends who are, you know, um, helping me to see things that I can't see. And yeah. Real friends. Yeah. 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 And, and that's it's like if I just try to stay here, then I'm going to know. Like when he says go, I'm going to know that's that's what I need to do. It's also great for your kids to see and sort of live right because they're they're traveling along with you if something does happen and it's a it's a hard thing because i grew up moving every two years i'm an army brat mm-hmm. um and i really didn't think much of it growing up because that was just my life but when i look back now and especially when i made friends later on that sort of they never they stayed in one place their whole life and then you know they might have like made one change but then they're like go back to that mm-hmm. same spot which is fine but to me, I'm like, dude, thank God I had a growing up where we constant. it was like constant chaos where, right. well, now we're going to, and we lived in like Korea, China, like we moved all over. And that, that it's like almost gave me a growth mindset when I was mm-hmm. little or just the ability to adapt to right. any environment. Right. And I think that is also a good education for kids to get yeah. early on. Right. Because it's just going to help them in life later. Right. You know, that, that, that made you very resilient. And so. Your what you just described is my kids. They've moved yeah. every two years, three years. And as much as I, you know, want stability for them, because I understand stability is good, I've got to look at the other side too and say, you know what, if if it is a more of a story of every the resilience that these kids are gonna mm-hmm. have is gonna be unmatched. Yeah. You know, and so I think it's all about how we perceive it, you know, is like stability, yes, it is good. But so if if God's moving us then now the resilience and the adaptability and the flexibility and, and their ability to make new friends like quick. Let's just look at it in a positive light. <clears throat> and you do, and you can still have stability in that kind of environment, but that stability remains in your family, your yes. unit, right? Yes. It's like, we, don't we have stability amongst us. I mean, that's how my, you know, I just had one brother and um, it's my parents, but we were like this tight, we still are. It's like this tight unit just because mm-hmm. we, 
went through all that together and we remained stable as a family, even though everything outside of us was not stable. We, but we adapted to everything and that's, I'm telling you, yeah, it'll, that's great outlook. The stability of the family. It really needs the stability of you and your wife, right? In the marriage, like they're looking to you guys. Hey, are we okay? Are we stable? Yeah. And as long as y'all are right and y'all are stable on the only thing that really is stable, which is God. Right. You know, then that's what they really need. I love that. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, thank you so much for coming and oh, dude, sharing awesome. this. How can people get, uh, if they want to sign up for or get your workbook? Sure. Uh, ZachWoodfin.com. So it's uh, just Z-A-C, uh, W-O-O-D-F-I-N, uh, my website. And so, uh, like I said, we're going to try to launch that course uh, in about a week. And so uh, sometime early in the new year, if you get on the website, you'll see uh, mental performance for youth athletes. Uh, We're calling it the missing link. That's the name of the course because that's what I believe is missing. It's so many uh, young people today. Like there's everybody in the world's doing training of strength, of power, of speed. Very few are doing training of this. And uh, that's my passion. I want to empower young people and and old people, anybody to, to understand like, how do you how do you make this your biggest weapon, um, and to help you have a successful life um, in in your personal life or your you know your work or your your sports or whatever? So, my website's easiest place, and then uh, social media it's Coach underscore Woodfin I'm on Instagram and, and Twitter, so uh, and Facebook. So nice, and we'll put those links below as well when yep. this comes out, so people can. Uh, Click on your website or follow you on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah, man. Awesome, man. It's been a pleasure. Dude, awesome story. Yeah, brother. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Out. Out. Dude. All right, try to hit him on the same time. See if you can do it.